Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Beautiful hymn, Amazing Grace. Yeah. Amen. You know, someday maybe we'll be uh, blessed with a nice grand piano. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot I turned that thing off. But I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, as we continue in our study in the Gospel of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, and beginning at verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. For what man is there among you, who if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, 
there are few who find it. Let's pray. Lord, as we study your holy word, we ask that you be our teacher. Through God, the Holy Spirit, who gives us understanding and illuminates your holy word, that we might better understand and also apply it to our individual lives as well as our life as a body of believers. Again, Lord, we pray for anyone here today who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, we pray today they'll come to know you as the Savior of their soul, finding forgiveness and life eternal. Speak to us now, Lord, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. And so the Christian is called to a life of prayer. And we began looking at this uh, last week, and we'll do a, a quick summary here. But I asked you this question last week, and I'll ask it again. Do you expect God to answer your prayers? When you pray, do you expect that God will actually answer your prayer? Because the Bible teaches that God does, in fact, answer our prayers. But it also teaches that no is an answer. All right? In case you didn't hear that, no is an answer. Yes is an answer. And not now or in time. That's an answer, too. The timing is not right. And one old preacher said, if God gave us everything that we asked for, why, we would be ruined at our own request. Oftentimes, probably more often than not, we ask for some things that, that we don't realize would actually bring ruin or more difficulty into our lives. But because our Heavenly Father is a loving Father, He is all-knowing, he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning and everything in between. Let me read what I read last week in terms of how God gives. God doesn't give us what we think or believe we need. No. He gives us what he knows we need and when we need it. So powerful. And all of us, we often have our needs and our wants mixed up. But thanks be to God, he is all-knowing and all-wise. And he decides what he will give, what he will grant unto us for his glory. But Jesus did say, ask. So it is okay to ask. And in the, the, the prayer that he taught the disciples, he said we should pray for our daily bread, our daily needs. We live in today. Tomorrow is not promised to us. Now, eternity is promised to us, right? But, but tomorrow in the sense of, of life on this earth, why, we don't know if we'll go to sleep tonight and pass right on up into heaven. 
Amen? We don't know. Now, God knows, but we live today. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't plan. The Bible teaches that we, that we should plan. And God has a tremendous plan for everyone's life. And our wonderful privilege is discovering that plan, that unique purpose that God has for our individual lives, as well as our, our life as a corporate body of believers, a church. What are we to be involved in? How are we to be fulfilling God's calling in our own individual lives as well as the church's lives? Amen. He says also to seek, and, and we're to seek earnestly, earnestly. And the word that's used in the Greek there can mean to inquire into. To in inquire into, to discover. And then he says, it will be given. It will be given. Or in other words, it will be granted to you to perceive, to see, to obtain. And then that knocking, and we, we have the wonderful privilege, we can knock on the door of heaven. Actually, we knock upon God's heart, amen, with our prayer. And God is our loving, heavenly Father. And he, he opens the door, or in other words, he makes known. Now, we mentioned this uh, before, Jeremiah 29, 13. To seek the Lord. He says, you will, you will find me if you seek me with your whole heart, with a sincere heart. Amen. The second point. Jesus makes a comparison. He, and a, it's important to point this out. He uses the second person here in terms of, of grammar because he says you. And in that case, he is making a distinction between himself and the people that he is speaking to. A distinction between himself and us. Because Jesus is perfect. That's hard for lots of people to accept or to believe. But Jesus is perfect. He is the perfect Son of God. He is God the Son. The one through whom everything came into existence and for whom everything was created. Not only did it come into existence through him, but it was for his pleasure, the Bible teaches, and for his glory. The Bible teaches that God is the giver of everything that is good. Everything that is good. Every good gift comes down from the Father of lights to us, and it comes to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is to be worshipped. Now, Jesus, prior to the crucifixion, informed the disciples that he was going to be crucified, that he was going to be killed, that he was going to be mistreated and disrespected. And you'll recall that Peter took him aside and, and began to scold him, right? <laughs> And how did Jesus respond to that? 
How do you respond to that? Get thee behind me, Satan. For you do not desire the things of God. But Jesus also said something else. He said that he was going away. But that he would not leave them comfortless, but that he would send the comforter, God the Holy Spirit. And so after the, the crucifixion and the resurrection, some 40 days later, Jesus ascended back to the Father, where he sits at the right hand of God in glory and power and splendor. But he sent God the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost to indwell the believers. And the Bible says that they began to preach and to, to glorify God in all of these different languages. They spoke in foreign tongues, the Bible said. Referring to all of these different languages, representing all of these different people who were present there at that time. They had gathered to celebrate Pentecost, the celebration of the first fruits of the harvest. And they were there from all of these different countries. And the apostles began to speak in these languages that they had never learned. And they were speaking things that glorified God. Our God is the giver of good gifts, and he enters into relationship with us. For in this same Sermon on the Mount, over in the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus speaks of God giving the good gift, he says, and how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit? Amen. He says in this contrast that I mentioned a moment ago, we, we are sinners, but Jesus is not a sinner. So he makes a distinction there. He says, yet, yet you being evil or being sinners, you know how to give good gifts. But consider that your holy heavenly father who is perfect and the wonderful gift that he gives he gives the gift of himself through God the Holy Spirit who comes to live and dwell within us if you know Jesus as your Savior God the Holy Spirit lives in your life Amen. but you bear responsibility to develop that relationship with him to learn to hear his voice and to be sensitive to his presence. And we've mentioned time and time and time again that Christians don't have to pray for God to be with them. Why? Because he is with you and he will never leave you or forsake you. You can read that in the Bible. Amen. Hebrews 13, 5, Matthew chapter 28, the last 18 uh, verses, 18, 19, 20. Jesus said, and lo, I am with you always. Now, what does always mean? Always. <laughs> it means always. <laughs> and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So when you begin to pray, Lord, be with us, he's already answered that one. Ah, but what must we do? We must ask God to enable us to be sensitive to his presence. That's what we need to pray. Lord, make me sensitive to your presence. 
He enters into relationship with us. He created us and provides everything that we need. And guess what? When God makes something, it's good. Amen? Now, if you, if you turn to the, to the book of Genesis and you read in the creation account in the first uh, several chapters there, at the end of each day it said, And the Lord looked upon what he had created, and behold, it was good. But after he made the man and the woman, he changes just a little bit, and he describes it. Ah, very good. Very good. You see, we are the apex, if you will, of God's creation, the highest form of his creation. Now the unbeliever, the unbeliever wants you to believe that you're an animal like a dog. And there's some very cute little dogs. <laughs> All right. But they weren't created in God's image. Now, certainly God gave them life, and he, he created them, and he filled them with all kinds of potential. But we have been created in God's image. That image was marred when Adam and Eve chose to disobey and sin. We have a tremendous capacity for good, but we also have a <laughs> tremendous capacity for evil. And yet Jesus says, even in that state, you're able to give good gifts. How much more will your heavenly Father give you good things if you will but ask? And then we've said, but we must ask according to his will. To ask in Jesus' name, we ask according to his will. Those things that are honorable to him, those things that, that agree with him, but how will we know if something agrees if we're not sensitive to the voice of God who speaks to us through his word and in prayer, God the Holy Spirit? Do you know his voice? God wants you to know his voice. One of the most irritating things to me is when I hear a Christian say, well, God doesn't speak to me. How in the world did you know you needed to be saved if God didn't speak to you? Amen. You say, oh, 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 yes. How is it that you, that you came to know that you are a lost sinner in need of the Savior if God, the Holy Spirit, didn't speak that to you? If he didn't illuminate your mind and your heart and bring you to a point where you understand, I need the Savior. That's God speaking to you. And he heals, he forgives. And we mentioned there's so many different types of, of healing, physical healing, spiritual, emotional, mental, relational, in all other ways. And we, we even talked about finances. Now, I don't necessarily believe that God wants everybody to be poor or everybody to be rich. But you know, we're the richest people in the world. We really are the wealthiest people in the world. Together with all of our Christian brothers and sisters because 
we have the treasure of heaven. Who is more valuable or what is more valuable than the Lord Jesus Christ? And our relationship with him is with us. What is more valuable than that? Nothing. Nothing. And no one else is more important than him. Our relationship with God is the most valuable possession, if you will, that we have. Now, moving on to the third point here. God has made us his royal children. And you've heard of the golden rule. The golden rule is the royal law. The royal law. Now, I want you to turn to James for a moment there so you can read that. James chapter 2. Beginning at verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. And we'll stop right there. Now there, there are people who teach this. So you can accept Jesus as your Savior, and then you go out and you commit some sin, that now you lose your salvation. That is not correct. That is not correct. And if the truth is known, most people, before they get out of bed, they've already committed two or three sins, just in what they thought. And it doesn't take long for the day to pass before they've committed some other sin. You, you follow? And what does it say there? Now, I didn't write this. I didn't write this. This is the Lord's word. He says, you offended one point, you're guilty of everything. You understand? But the Bible also teaches, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. In spite of our sin, in spite of our wickedness, he saved us. He saved us, and he loves us. And that gift is eternal. Amen. Now, back to Matthew. Verse 13, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in, or in by it. I was reading and thinking and studying, what is Jesus saying? Or, oh, he's saying so much. Here's the tragedy, the sadness in that verse. More people will be lost been saved. Stop for a moment and think that one through. More people will be lost 
then sin. Again, I didn't write it. Jesus said it right here. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. But because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Yet we bear the responsibility as a church to continue to proclaim the message of the gospel, the good news. It's an Anglo-Saxon term, meaning good news. And what is the good news? That God loves the human race, that he sent his son to pay the penalty of our sin there upon the cross, shedding his blood, as we mentioned a moment ago. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so many denominations, you know what they've done? They've taken the hymn books and they've taken out the hymns that make reference to the blood. You probably didn't know them. They've taken out hymns that have anything to do with the blood. And today, in the Christian music of today, so much of the Christian music, the modern, the current music, the popular music, oh, much of it praises the Lord as we should praise the Lord. But so much of it is ice cream. Ice cream, and so much of it is not theologically correct. Only emphasizing about how happy I can be and how happy I can be. Yeah, they like to quote that, I want to know Christ, right? And the power of his resurrection. And they end there. What about, and the fellowship of his suffering? And we asked this question once before. When was the last time you suffered for Christ? When was the last time you sacrificed something that was so dear and near to you for Christ? When was the last time you gave up something for Christ? The way of the cross, the Bible says, and that hymn says, leads home. The way of the cross. Jesus said, take up your cross daily. Amen? Daily. What does that mean? It's different for each one of us, and yet the same. What is it in your life that is keeping you from having that dynamic, powerful, growing relationship with Christ? Give it up. Lay it at the foot of the cross. People have all kinds of ideas about how you get into heaven. There are all kinds of philosophies. All kinds of opinions. Well, my opinion. Well, guess what? Your opinion does not matter. Your opinion doesn't count. When I was teaching at the university, and we would talk about the papers that they were supposed to write and submit, I would tell them, your opinion in this class is not important. They look at each other. No, it is not. When you write that paper and you make a point, you have to have a minimum of three other sources that you cite, that you quote, that lend support to that particular point. Because you haven't earned the right yet. You have no initials behind your name. You follow? You need to quote an expert in that field to support that point. Well, guess what? 
Ultimately, God's opinion matters. God said this. You must accept my beloved son. Right? Well, let's read. I think we have time. We can turn there. John 14, 6. I would encourage you to, to memorize this verse. John 14, 6. The Gospel of John. Chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You hear that? There is no other way. There is no other way to the Father. There is no other way to heaven. Sadly, sadly, people today make the same mistake that people have made throughout the ages. This idea that, that doing a bunch of stuff, that doing a bunch of stuff will get you into heaven by being this, this good person. No. No. Because no matter how good you are, the Bible says your goodness, your righteousness is like a filthy menstrual rag. That's what it says. Now, the translators, when they translated it into English, they didn't put it quite so blimply. But both Hebrew and Greek are very specific, painting this picture, if you will. You think you're good? You think you deserve to go to heaven because you've, you've done thus and so and because you've, you've given your money or, or you've helped this person or you're, you're nice to your neighbor, even when your neighbor isn't very nice to you, and that's going to get you into heaven? No. That will not get you there. Why? Because still there is a disease in the heart of the human race. Every human being has the disease of sin. And the only cure is the blood of Christ. The way of the cross leads home. And Jesus says, oh, back here in Matthew, the narrow gate. What is that narrow gate? That narrow gate is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the door, the gate of salvation. There is no other way. And so lastly, what is Jesus teaching in this portion of the sermon? Well, he teaches us that God is our loving Heavenly Father. Now, you can rejoice in that every day. <laughs> every day. Every moment of every day. No matter how miserable everything else might be around you, you can rejoice in this. That God loves you. Amen? God loves you. We said in our do's and don'ts, the one thing you don't have to ask for, or one of the things you don't have to ask for, you don't have to ask for God's love. He loves you. When you were born, God already loved you before you were born. Because he knew all about you before you were ever even born. In describing that, I've, I've <laughs> spoken with people, and I've asked a woman, said, All right, do you have any children? Yes. When did you start loving your children? The moment she found out she was pregnant, right? 
She hadn't seen the baby. She hadn't given birth. But the moment, the moment she found out that she was pregnant, oh, she was filled with this special, unique kind of love. Isn't that right, ladies? Yes. Yes? And you see, God loves us. He loves you. You say, well, you know, if he loved me, he'd let me have this and this and this. You know, I've been waiting a long time for this and for this and for that. And it just might be because he loves you, you don't have this and that and all that other stuff that you've been asking for. As we mentioned earlier, God's our loving Heavenly Father. God loves to bless his children with good gifts. Amen? And the greatest gift that he's given is himself. <coughs> Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things shall be added unto you as well. For your heavenly Father knows what you need before you even ask him. So you say, well, then why ask him? Ah, it's very important. When you ask, and I would encourage you to do this, write down what you've asked for. And then when God brings it about, you can put the date. The date that you asked for it, and the date when it was fulfilled. Do you need anything? Ask. Seek. Knock. Knock on God's heart. He loves to bless his children. But you put, put feet to your prayers. We mentioned a person says they need a job, but they're unwilling to go out and get one. They're unwilling to go and fill out an application. They're unwilling to get up and go get the job. Live a royal life. Treat others as you desire to be treated. Matthew 7, 12, right? We call it the golden rule, but it's also the royal law. Not offending others. And then lastly, there's only one way to heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. And you can look that up again. 14, 6, John 14, 6. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Lord, I'm coming home. Maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know, you, you, you have to invite him in. He knocks on the door of your heart. But he won't force his way into your life. You must open your heart. You must invite him in because the Lord Jesus is a gentleman. He will not force his way. So as we sing, you give your heart to him. And Christian, if you've been living a life that is a lie the time to rededicate your life to the Lord rededicate it today and here's the other thing when Peter said well how many times should I forgive my brother seven times Jesus said no 70 times seven times or in other words as many times as he offends you you forgive so ask God to forgive you every day and every moment and every day Ask him. He wants us to live forgiven lives. Let's stand, please. As we sing, you come and you make your decision for the Lord. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible.
Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.